This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Wow, what a privilege. I don't want to collect, I don't want to correct Clive, but it was 30 nations. I'll just flex on myself even more for a second. 30 churches would be cool, but 30 nations. I get why you misread it, Clive. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This feels really special to me. Does anyone feel anticipation for tonight, expectancy, faith for tonight? This feels like such a round circle moment for me, even personally. I grew up going to Youth Week every year. Any Youth Weekers in the house? Yeah, yeah. I always joke that it was the four days a year that I was free from sin and on fire for the Lord. Um, because I wasn't really walking with the Lord at that time in my life. But I remember as a young man being so inspired by a rap group at Youth Week every year called the Lyrical Disciples. I thought they were the coolest people on earth. And then it feels like a round circle moment that Clive's up here introducing me. If you aren't sure that group was, Clive was one of the Lyrical Disciples. Now he's a Lyrical Discipler because he's discipling people. Amen. I do love Clive and it is special to be here. This evening with you, I have one amazing friend with me, Joe Traychuk. Joe, can you stand for a second? Can we welcome Joe? I love you. Thank you. Joe is one of the leaders at our young adults ministry in Portland, Oregon. I grew up in Neisner, by the way. That's why I don't sound American. Um, praise God for that. I'm kidding. I love Americans. Joe's an amazing leader at our young adults ministry, businessman, father, husband, all of the above. And he came to serve our nation, and he's really fallen in love with rusks, although he calls them tusks. Um, and he's given up on trying to pronounce druivos, even though he loves it. We've just gone with beef sticks. We've landed on beef sticks, so it's awesome to have Joe here. And I just want to give honor where honor is due. Um, I want to also say, if you're visiting this house today, it doesn't get much greener than this. The grass does not get much greener than this. I want to encourage you to get plugged in if you don't have a church. What? Dr. Beverly and Dr. Theo Vormrans are doing is changing a nation. And I just honor them so much. Even though they aren't here, I want to give honor where honor is due for what they've built. This church, the name, what God is doing here goes before the church. I remember hearing about what the Lord was doing here growing up. And it's such an inspiration to be and just honor what the Lord is doing. And all your other amazing leaders, Pastor Nanika, you're amazing. There we go. That must be the young section. I'll, I'm going to be preaching here if you guys keep that up. That side of the stage is all for you. Last time I was flying through South Africa, I was very jet lagged. But somehow, it must have, I'm an introvert and I was jet lagged and I had a layover. And somehow I said yes to meeting your youth leadership team. But I didn't regret it. It was incredible. It was definitely God on that. And I shared it at your youth conference, which was phenomenal, even though it was virtual. But I have such expectancy for what God's going to do tonight. And all your amazing leaders on the front row. I got to meet Pastor Greg on a Zoom. And I was like, CFC's in good hands. That's what I thought to myself. So just know that this is an amazing church. Before I get into the word for tonight, which I do believe God's put a word on my heart. I felt during worship, and I just try to be obedient to me coming into a church service. Success is obedience to God. If I'm really honest with you, it used to be a TED talk or a perfectly communicated sermon that died a few years ago. And now I'm like, God, if I'm not obedient to you, it wasn't successful. And during worship, I felt like the Lord wanted to heal something specific right now. And what he wanted to heal was someone who was in a car accident that had whiplash or one of the effects of the car accident has been lasting to this day. He had a car accident, and to this day, there's still the effects of that car accident. There's neck pain or whiplash or something connected to the car accident. If that's you, can you just stand for me real quick? Can you just stand? Okay, okay there's a few of you. Anyone else? 
Okay, there's another one. Thank you. Just stand. That's totally okay. Can we just stretch our hands out towards these individuals if they're around you? If we truly believe that God comes when we worship, that the Holy Spirit comes when we worship, one of God's name is Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. So when he shows up, something that takes place is healing. And if we believe that because we worshiped, he came, what will take place now is healing because he's here, not because I'm here. So Lord, we thank you for complete healing right now in Jesus' name. I command every back to align now in the name of Jesus. All pain leave now. All lasting effects leave now in Jesus' name. Complete healing now, every migraine headache. All the pain in the right side of your neck be healed now. In Jesus' name. Some of you have had PTSD. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Those nightmares, struggling to sleep, having the dreams or flashbacks. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. We're also going to pray for more healing at the end. Okay, so at the end it'll be like Oprah, everybody gets a car. Okay, right now it was specific at the end, everyone's going to get a car. But can you turn with me if you have your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, this is where I want to start. We're going to read this, pray, and then go on a journey together this evening. And starting in verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening had come, he was alone there. Firstly, if God needed alone time and rest, you need alone time and rest. That was free. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the water. Okay, sorry. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. So they're afraid in this moment, there's waves, there's, there's a storm around them, and they're like, it's a ghost. Now to us, this doesn't really make sense, but in the first century, one of the things that they believed is that if somebody died on a lake, they would haunt that lake for the rest of eternity. So there's a little bit of cultural context, they're like, oh, there's somebody that's haunting the lake right now. So they cried, it's a ghost, verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, as I do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come onto the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out saying, Lord, save me. And as we know, the rest of the story is he sinks down and Jesus catches him. In that moment. Now, there's a few takeaways I want to set a foundation for this evening. Firstly, Jesus sends them into the storm. We've bought the lie at times like, hey, come to church, come to Jesus, and all your problems will go away. I love Jesus' preaching hey, come to me, build your house on me, a rock, and when the storms come, you'll be okay. I'm like, that's not encouraging. I want. And when you build your life on me, the storms will stop. What we love to do is blame the storms for the cracks in our foundation. Right? Is it just me? God, COVID really gave me anxiety. Was it COVID or was I trusting in the wrong thing? Because the storms are not the issue. Jesus, we like, I did something wrong. I'm in a storm. What if a storm's a blessing? What if a storm's an opportunity to walk on water? 
What if a storm is an invitation? What if I got excited for storms? Jesus sends them into the storm. Peter goes, if it's you, call me out. I love Peter. If it's you. Faith often looks really dumb if God doesn't show up. The waves you were afraid of, now you're walking on. But he sees the waves around him now. He's walking on the waves. He's looking at Jesus and he's walking on what he was once afraid of. Does he begin to sink because the wind and the waves increase? No. Did the wind and the waves suddenly start? No. What changed for him to begin to sink? What he was beholding. While his eyes are on Jesus, the waves are an opportunity for a miracle. When he looks at the storm, now they're an issue. See, I came to tell some people, you don't need an answer to prayer, you need a perspective change. If all you're looking at the waves, I'm not surprised that you're anxious, depressed, and hopeless. I would be too. But t- today I'm going, hey, let's, let's focus on him again. But let's take a few moments to pray. I got ahead of myself, but that's okay. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you love me even when I get ahead of myself. Holy Spirit, we do acknowledge that you are the reason that our lives can be changed today, that you are here, that you are present, that you are not a part or a portion or a percentage of God, but you are God. And we ask that you'd have your way this evening, that you would transform our perspective, Lord. Some of us that have lost hope, that are hopeless, that have no vision, that are focused on the sea and the wind and the waves, would choose to look at you again tonight that our perspective would change again tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you hate going to weddings? Anyone in the room? Okay, just me. Okay, there's another one. Thank God for you. Why do I hate weddings? I love the food, the brief celebration, but when it comes to the dancing. I need some of you to lay hands on me. I need impartation. The best I got is a two-step. That's all you're going to get out of me. I feel so out of place at a wedding. I remember the most out of place I've ever felt. Okay, story time. I'm just starting to preach. I get invited to Belgium. I'm like 21. I'm like, I'm the man of God. I'm here to preach. I preach. I I didn't have self-awareness yet. Every sermon I preached, I killed. I'm like, that was incredible. I was the man of God from the stage. After we're done, one of the leaders goes, hey, you, you came and preached. We want to show you what we do. I'm like, you do church, and I preached. He's like, no, 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 we're a biker church. We go to biker gangs and share the gospel. I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. But I'm like, I'm just here to serve. So I'll go. I'm trying to, like, live out that principle. He throws me a leather jacket. It wasn't a fashion statement. I put on this leather jacket. It's way too big for me. I'm on the back of a motorbike with a... Above average sized man, holding on. I feel like I'm in 12 again, afraid, fearful for what's about to come. And the first club we pull up to, it's a club. And the front windows have big pieces of wood over the front. And I'm like, oh, it's closed down. We good. They're like, no, a rival gang came last week and shot up the whole club. So now we have to go around back. I'm trying to act faithful, okay? My voice is struggling at the time. Okay, let's go around back. 
We show up, luckily no one's there. I'm praising the Lord that no one's there except the bartender. I'm quiet too. I don't even, what do you talk about? To a biker gang leader. Like, hey bro, so what do you think about John chapter 6? Right, because I grew up in the church. I don't know what to talk to this guy about. We don't have anything to relate about. They don't even watch rugby there, so even the basics are gone. So cricket, what's that? Oh, yeah, sick. So we leave, and I'm like, praise God, we're done. He's like, no, it's the Hells Angels regional party tonight. That's where we're going next. I go, sorry, what? Hells Angels, it's 300 Hells Angels from all over Europe. It's the most dangerous part of Belgium. It's five rival um, gangs in one area, most dangerous part. I'm like, stop talking. So as we are, we, we are a few kilometers away, he gets a phone call. What are you doing in our territory? I'm like, how do they know we're here? So we show up. The guy says, just stand behind me and walk. I'm like, this is not exciting. So I'm standing behind him. He's like, just shake whoever hand I shake. Hello. I'm like, I don't want to say God bless. I don't want to get hit. What do you say? And they're like, no, no, it's okay because normally the prostitutes serve the drinks, but they knew we were coming, so there's no prostitutes. I'm like, oh, that's really helping me right now. That, that was my, so I'm like, hello. They're like, do you want a drink? Water, please. I'm like drinking water. There's music. There's a DJ. I'm like, this is, they don't even speak English. And eventually when I'm leaving, thank, and one of the, I met the leader of the football hooligans. He still messages me from time wishing me Merry Christmas with a picture of all the hooligans. I'm like, thank you, God bless you. Get saved, please. And I meet them all, and as I'm leaving, I'm like, I may as well step out since I'm here. There's this guy that's 6'6", I'm 6'4", so if I'm looking up to someone, he's a, I'm 6'3 and a quarter, I rounded up. I'm, he's, I'm like, I'm looking up to him, so he's big. I'm like, hey, bro, do you have pain in your back? I'm like, can I pray for you? I believe Jesus wants to heal you. Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Okay, in Jesus' name, be healed. Amen. Test it out. Is it better? Yes. I'm like, okay, are you sure? Yes. Doesn't even crack a smile though. I'm like, that guy might have lied to me. That was very kind of him. So I walk away. I survived the night. I go back to the hotel. I'm just thanking the Lord, telling my parents that I survived, that I'm safe. And the leader gets a text. The pastor gets a text that morning at, at 3 a.m. And it goes, hey, that kid you brought with prayed for one of my guys. He always has pain all night. But last night the pain left and he got completely healed. Amazing. It's because I'm so bold. <laughs> but that got me thinking about the life of Jesus. How often would he have felt out of place? If you can turn to Luke 19, this is an example of that where I think Jesus, I love the story. We know the song. I mean, I'm not going to sing it because you don't want that. The whole Zacchaeus song, he went up a tree, he was a wee man of stature, the whole thing. I just butchered it right there. But Jesus is walking into town, and as he's walking in, there's all these elites that are coming to meet with Jesus, to welcome him into town. And I can assume that the, at the front of the gathering of the crowds is probably the pastors, apostles, bishops, rabbis are in the front, right? Like, hey, make space. I'm here. And we like to think sometimes that if Jesus walk, walked into CFC, I even like to think sometimes that Jesus would be like, Pastor Dylan, Pastor Greg, I'm going to your house. Like, that's right, I'm a leader. 
But what I love about this story is that Jesus is walking. There's this little man in the back who's a tax collector, which a chief tax collector, which to us is like, oh, that's kind of a good job. But to them, a tax collector was one of the worst criminals in society. They would steal from people. They were looked down upon. You can almost replace tax collector with criminal. And not just any criminal, the chief criminal. And he's hiding in the back. He doesn't really know what's going on. He just knows there's a crowd. I'm actually not going to read it for the sake of time. But Jesus makes a really interesting point. He's like, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house tonight. I'm like, what did they talk about? Right, because I grew up in the church. It's like sometimes you get around people of the world and you're like, so how are you? Good. The weather's crazy, isn't it? Because you can't talk about what we talk about with our friends in church. And Jesus is then, I also like to think, I'm like, I wonder what rumors were spreading around town. There's another leader stealing from the church. Right, that would be some of us. Can you believe, you know whose house I saw him at? The chief criminal, the one who steals, he must be stealing. There's so many stories like Jesus at the well in John chapter 4. This woman, five men have left her. She's on her sick, outcast in society, sleeping around. Jesus is talking to her. That looks sketchy. You know who Jesus was talking to? The woman who was getting water. The one, who's, the one who got cheated on by five men. Jesus is talking to her. He must not be walking in holiness. Think about the stories that would be spreading. I hear about them in church. Let's read Luke 19, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man has come and to save that which was lost. That which was lost. There's this dichotomy in Scripture, like dichotomy or tension in Scripture. If you look at James chapter 4, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses. We're going to read a lot of Bible. Is that okay? Do you guys love the Bible here? I believe that. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So I want us to keep this in mind for a second. They who makes himself a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Mark 2, verse 15. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many, ta again, tax collectors and sinners also sat with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many. So again, he's with some of the worst of the worst, not just tax collectors, but sinners. And they followed him. So they followed him, meaning sinners like to be around Jesus. Good word, Dylan. Joseph, I brought you here to say amen, but it's the least you could do. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kidding. Verse 16, and when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Great question. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick. I did not call, come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Christianity is the only thing on earth where you come in sick and leave a doctor. Some of you, that went over your head, but it was really good. 
When you go to the doctor, you don't leave a doctor. When you come to Jesus, you leave someone that can heal others because he lives in you. Now, this is very important because often as Christians, we all know that we are called to reach the world. Can I get an amen? amen. But the challenge sometimes is this dichotomy where Jesus was a friend of sinners, it says there, which is a powerful, we think that would be disrespectful. But what if that was an accomplishment? What if that was an accolade? He was a friend of sinners. See, but how then does it say in the verses before that friendship with the world is an enemy of God? Do you see the tension? Because the world, when, it's, when the world is talked about in Scripture, it's not talking about people, it's talking about a fallen system. So if you're a friend of the fallen system, you're an enemy with God. But if you're a friend of the person in the fallen system, you're doing God's work. See, you and I are called to reach the world that's in the Great Commission. But the issue is when we try to reach people without being around them, we don't know what to say to them to reach them. To give an accurate prescription, you first need a diagnosis. We've fallen really short at getting a diagnosis. We think our prescriptions are working when they aren't. We love giving prescriptions to people we don't even know their struggles. Some of us are raised in the church. We don't even know what it's like to grow up a non-Christian, but we think we have all the answers. To give good prescriptions, you have to get a good diagnosis. One of the biggest blessings of the season for me is getting to do life with people that are not believers. Because that's who I'm trying to reach. Otherwise, they come to our church, they have no idea what I'm saying. And our very purpose is not being accomplished. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, we often misquote this verse, and it's quite unfortunate. You are the light of the world. We think that it says Jesus is the light of the world. Who is the light of the world? You. You and I are the light of the world. We grew up thinking that darkness is this thing that Christians have to be afraid of or stay away. Hey, they, that's a dark school. That's a dark neighborhood. I'm leaving this city because it's dark. It's always confused me because I thought that light was made for darkness. And if you want a sermon for tonight, it's destined for darkness. I'm not afraid of darkness. I love darkness. Darkness excites me. Now, I'm not letting darkness into me. Please understand, I'm not talking about living in sin. You understand what I'm saying? I'm called to be in darkness because I'm called to be the light of the world. A light that is not in darkness is an ineffective light. Now, so people's logic, I'm leaving, it's so dark. Where are you going to go to the light? Well, that'll really be helpful. It's almost humorous, right? It's so dark, I'm leaving. Well, what happens if you leave? It gets darker. That, I don't know about you, to me that doesn't seem like a good game plan. Like, be afraid of darkness. It's so bad. I'm like, I thought I was made for it. See, I came to change our perspectives. We're like, I need to escape. No, no, we need to remember why we are where we are. You aren't in your community by mistake. You're there with a purpose. You aren't in your job by mistake. You're there with a purpose. You're there to be the light of the world. See, we have made holiness 
staying away from the world. Holiness is not keeping the world out of you. Holiness is not keeping out of the world, it's keeping the world out of you. Holiness is not staying out of the world, it's keeping the world out of you. You are called to be in the world, but not of it. In the streets, but not of them. That's my Instagram bio too. I loved it when I came up with it. I was so happy. You know how long, anyone else take you a long time to come up with a good Instagram bio? Yeah, and then it hits me like, this is so cool. And then 10 years later, you're like, that was so lame. But right now, I still think it's cool. So don't anyone burst my bubble. See, but even saying this, there's this tension involved because some of you are like, that's right. That's why I have no Christian friends. I'm coming for you too. <laughs> don't worry. This is the part of the sermon for you. We like, I need to be like the world to reach the world. Darkness doesn't help darkness. You aren't helping the world by being like the world. We need to be able to reach the world, but we aren't going to reach them by becoming like them. Now we can have empathy. What are they going through? We should have empathy. But at times, because of that fear, many of us, it's like Moses, right? He's raised in the palace. Also, can we... This is what the church has become famous for, and it upsets me. So I'm going to share with you. We criticize Moses in the palace, but we love him in the Red Sea. How dare that person be a celebrity or a government, or how dare they? But we love them when they help our nation. Right? We don't like Bieber until he releases the Christian album. My point is, Moses is in the palace with a purpose. And yes, he goes to the burning bush to get the palace out of him. He has this encounter, but many of us want to set up tent and live at the burning bush. You are called to go back to the palace to set the palace free. So step one is getting the palace out of us. It's getting the world out of us. This is one way that I say it. A sea in the ocean, a ship in the ocean doesn't sink the ship. Ocean in the ship sinks the ship. Should I say it again? Because it's a tongue twister. A ship in the ocean doesn't sink the ship. Ocean in the ship sinks the ship. So in, a, in an attempt to be holy, we like, I'm not going out to the ocean. I'm staying in the harbor. You were made for the ocean. Now, if you get a crack in your ship, go back to the harbor, fix it up, but you can't stay there. See, separation from the world for a time to get the world out of you is very necessary. Some of you are in that season right now where you've just come to church or you're visiting. Hey, change up your friend group. Make sure the world gets out of you. But there will come a time where God will say, hey, leave the well and go back to Samaria. Hey, leave the burning bush and go back. Hey, Esther, you were placed in this palace to set a nation free. There will come a time where we don't stay at the bush, but we go back to help the people around us. A Christian that never sees darkness it's like a ship that never sees the ocean or a plane that never sees the sky or a car that never leaves its garage. The very purpose was for us to be in those things. A Christian that isn't in the darkness is like a ship that never leaves the harbor. A plane that never leaves the runway or, or a car that never leaves the garage. Are you with me? They were actually made to do those things. And where's the safest place for your car to be in your garage? Where's the safest place for a plane on the tarmac? For a ship in the harbor? 
But I came to tell you, you can't walk in water from the safety of your boat. We love the boat. Why am I not walking on water? Because you're still in the boat. God used me. He's called the comforter for a reason. You, you don't need a comforter in your comfort zone. When you leave your comfort zone, the God you have to show up is a great place to be. If you went over your head tonight, if you're dreaming too big, you're in the right place. If you like, my dreams are too big for me to fulfill, great. Because if you don't need God to fulfill your dream, you could do it by yourself, then you get the glory. I look at my life, I'm like, I know by myself I could never be here tonight. People are like, how do you stay humble? It's such a unique question because I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Secondly, I'm like, I know me. It's easy to stay humble. I'm like, I'm here because God opened the door to get there. But I want to encourage you to dream bigger. I want to encourage you, there's people in here that God is going to change your perspective tonight. Your community is not a curse, it's a blessing. Your family is not a curse, it's a blessing. You don't need to run from the darkness. You were placed there with a purpose. You don't need to run from your college. You don't need to run from your school. You don't need to run from your community. God placed you there with a purpose. I came to encourage us to get excited. We all think that everywhere else it'll be easier. I live in Portland, Oregon. It's quite a, there's a lot of need. It's not just here. Everywhere I preach this message because we're all called to be inspired to live in darkness. I would be more concerned about leaders that have no non-Christian friends and one that's only have Christian friends. Because that was me for years. I remember I showed up to my CrossFit gym. How do you know someone does CrossFit? They tell you. <laughs> I showed up to the CrossFit gym. They find out I'm a pastor over time. One day I come in the coach is like, I listened to a podcast on healing of yours. That scares me. I've been preaching for so long. Who knows what's on that podcast? I couldn't even find it when I tried to look for it. So I'm like, I don't know what she heard or thinks about me or believes about me, but God is my redeemer. Um, and over nine months, like, oh, you're a pastor. Yeah. One day, I'll never forget, this guy comes up to me and he asks if, if I'm some like random reality TV show. He's like, you look like this guy off of like some re reality TV show. I'm like, that's not me, bro. And then a few months later, he walks up to me. He's like, you're a pastor, right? I'm like, yes. Loud, in the gym. We aren't even friends. So you don't watch pornography? No, that must be hard. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I get tempted. He goes, huh. I'm like, that's awkward, like super loud. I'm like, hi, guys. He leaves. A few months later, he comes to church, gets born again, gets plugged in, gets discipled. Nine months of being in the CrossFit gym on the second row, there's seven or eight people that are in church, and now they're plugged into the church. But I love the questions that they ask. That same friend of mine comes to me one day. Why do people mumble in your church? <laughs> Can you see these are the questions people are actually asking? When we think they're asking questions about whether the end times will be pre or post or mid. And I love theology, but that's not what the world is asking. Now the church, of course, a great place to preach. But we're like, hey, bro, Jesus is coming back after the tribulation. And he's like, thanks, bro, cool. Like, what is the tribulation? Like, you are righteous. What is righteous? Even our language. 
Are you encouraged? I sure hope so. Even sometimes our language, right, we're like, I'm, I'm in this secular world. Was Jesus a sacred or secular carpenter? <laughs> right? We're like, that's a secular job. We've made church ministry the highest calling. I'm like, you teachers in the room, reach people I will never reach. You business owners, reach people I will never reach. I'm, don't leave your job and come and work for the church. Change your sphere of influence. We think we advance the kingdom through only our finances. That is a part of it, but not the whole idea. Every day when you go into work, you are called to advance his kingdom. Every day when you show up, you are there with a purpose to be the light in the darkness. That is your purpose. Not one of you have a secular calling. There's no such thing as a believer with a secular calling. It's not a thing. We think if I make music, it has to sound like every other worship song with the same four chords. Says who? I need some musicians to get creative. The church might have boxed you. I don't want you in that box anymore. Who told you worship has to sound like every other song? Not Jesus. First Corinthians 5 verse 9. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here. I am an evangelist. Well, so I get three closings. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. If I write to you in my epistle to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with sexually immoral people of this world, or the covetous or extortors or idolaters, for then you would need to go out of the world. So he's saying, I said don't keep company with those people that are living in sin or covetousness. But then he says, I'm not saying those in the world that are living in that sin. I'm not saying those of the world that are living in sexual sin. But I've written to you to keep company with anyone who is named a brother who is in sexually immoral, covers or idolatrous, revilers, drunkard, extortioners, not even to eat with such a person. So what he's saying here is, hey, I'm saying if there's a brother that's living in the cycle of sin that is unrepentant, don't surround yourself with those people. But if, if they're in the world, I'm certainly not saying that. See, our perspective, we are so afraid of even letting sinners into our house. Because somewhere along the way, darkness became more powerful than light. We're afraid of witch doctors or some people are like, what if that person's a witch? I'm like, bring them here. My Bible says, I have all authority over the power of the enemy. Nothing by any means hurt me. You better watch out, brother. I don't need that unbelief. I'm good. You can live in unbelief, but that's not for me. I'm like, bring me the gangster. Bring me the drug addict. Bring me the, the wealthy businessman that's lost in sin. But I came to encourage you that you are in wherever you are with a purpose. And tonight what I'm going to ask you to do is the band can come up before we go into some ministry time. And I do want us to pray for healing because I believe God wants to heal. But I also want us to lift our eyes again to Jesus. I felt prophetically for tonight that God wants to restore hope into people. Where you've had this desire to escape or run or maybe you've become so comfortable in the boat because you've been there for so long. 
You have your Christian community, your Christian friends, your light. That's all that you have. And I'm saying, hey, you here with a purpose. When Jesus saved you, why didn't he take you up to heaven straight away? Because you're called to illuminate darkness. And I'm saying, let's look at him tonight. Some of us have been so focused on the waves. When I want to ask you what, here's a great question to ask yourself. What does God want to do in my community? If you don't have an answer, maybe it's because you've been so focused on the waves. Maybe it's because we become so focused on the troubles. What is God doing in your community? How can you partner with Him? When you have the right perspective, storms are an invitation to walking on water. When you have the right perspective, darkness is an invitation to illuminate it with light. We were never meant to be afraid. We were meant to walk on water. Can we stand right now? I just want us to go into the song and just fix our eyes on Him. Let hopelessness leave you tonight. Let depression leave you tonight. Those who have been blaming the wind and the waves, we're going to go into majesty right now. I just want us to lift our eyes to Him. In a moment, a perspective can change for you. Your life can be changed in a moment of just changing your perspective. Lord, we look to you tonight. We repent for looking at the wind and the waves. We repent for talking. Some of you talk about the wind and the waves way too much. What is Jesus doing? Some of you got to start asking your friends that question. Can you believe A, B, and C? What is Jesus doing? If you're in the room and you've lost hope for your community, you feel discouraged, I just want you to come forward right now. I sense the Lord wanting to release hope this evening. If that's you, just come forward right now. There's no shame. I just sense people igniting. Some of you had had dreams, but you became discouraged over time. Just feel free to come forward right now up to the front. I, I want some team to pray for you tonight. So that's you. Just come forward right now. Just start making your way. I sense people in the room feel discouraged. They've lost hope. Some of you used to dream big dreams, but you were discouraged by people around you. Thank you, Lord. There'll be plenty of people, so take your time. Come up front. I sense the Lord restoring hope this evening. Some of you have lost hope for your community. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I even sense this evening God restoring fresh strategy for business owners. We need business owners that are thriving. We need politicians. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. If there's any group leaders in the room, just begin to minister, pray for the people up front, release hope. The Holy Spirit is the, Jesus is the hope of all nations. Thank you, Lord. I see hope breaking off of people, even depression. God, we thank you. Depression leave tonight in Jesus' name. I command depression to leave now in Jesus' name. All hopelessness, we command you leave now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. God is doing a work up front right now. 
I can feel hope increasing in the room, anticipation increasing in the room. While, while people are being ministered to up front, I want us to pray for healing in the room right now. How many of you know that it was God's will to heal the sick? It was God's idea. That's one of my favorite things about healing is that we don't come up with it. It's not my idea. God commanded me to do it. It was His idea. He paid for healing on the cross. The scripture says that by His stripes we are healed. That He bore our sickness and our infirmity on the cross. In His great commission, He says, lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. That's not just for a select few. That's for every believer, it says. Every believer is called to heal the sick, to cast out demons. So what I want to do right now, and I don't want you to go into works. God wants to heal more than you want to heal. If you need a healing in the room, I just want you to be bold. Just raise your hand for me right now. If you need any healing, it's a sore toe, a chronic illness, whatever it is, just raise your hand. doesn't matter what it is. Nice and high for me. Okay, what are we going to do, church? We're going to find somebody with their hand up right now. So I want you to find someone around you with their hand up right now. Keep it up till somebody's with you. We're going to pray for each other. We are the body of Christ tonight. Once somebody's with you, you can bring it down. But keep it up till somebody's with you. All of you who are watching me, find someone with their hand up now. There we go. Find somebody. We're going to pray for each other. Once somebody's with you, you can bring it down. Keep it up till somebody's with you. There's a couple more hands. Let's make sure everyone with their hand up. There's some hands in the back there. Okay. I want you to ask them what's wrong, and then we're going to begin to pray with authority. Thank you, Lord. We command complete healing in Jesus' name. Sickness, we command you to leave. Pain, we command you to leave now. In Jesus' name, we release your healing presence in this room. Every spirit of infirmity, I command you to leave. Thank you, Lord, for complete healing right now. Somebody's back's being healed now. Somebody's disc was out of place. You see the Holy Spirit putting it back into place now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Miracles happening in the room right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you just got prayer, I want you to test it out for me for a second. See if you can feel the difference. Faith looks like testing. If it's your back, Bend over, try to touch your toes. If it's your shoulder, lift it up, try to do something you couldn't do before. If it's not 100% better, I want us to pray one more time. If it's not 100% better, just go ahead and pray again right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Complete healing. Complete healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, amen. Again, if you got prayer, I want you to test it out for me. Faith looks like trying to do something you couldn't do before. If you can feel a significant difference in your body, can you wave both hands at me? I just want to see who God healed. Guys, look around the room. Look at all these hands. Keep waving. I want to see you. Keep waving. Thank you, Lord. Look at all the hands. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love your presence. What a miracle it is that God just healed people. Amen. What I love about that too is that I didn't pray for anyone. You guys did. Because each person in the body of Christ is called to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. What an incredible miracle that is. There's one more, even more incredible, the most incredible miracle I just want to hit on real quick before 
we come to an end of the service. I never want to assume that everyone here has a relationship with the Jesus that I talked about. Now maybe some of you in the room go, man, Jesus, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sin. You wouldn't love me. But you, that tax collector, he chooses to come and meet with you. The worst one in the room, the worst criminal, the worst sin, you are the one that he actually wants to meet with probably the most. He didn't come for the well. He came for the sick. He's come for you. And I know what it's like to be stuck in the world in the trap of sin, waking up every day empty. I know what it's like to go to alcohol and it relieves this emptiness for a few moments. You feel really free. You feel really good. But the next morning you wake up with the shame that comes over you, this regret, this feeling of discontentment. And this feeling stays with you, but that night you don't know how to get rid of the feeling, so you go back to that same thing that caused it in the first place. Maybe it's back to alcohol. And you feel a temporary source of freedom. Maybe it's a man or a woman. Maybe it's a drug or a substance. Even a TV show, these things that try to deal with the discontentment inside of us with that condemnation and shame and it gives us temporary freedom but we wake up again in that shame that condemnation and before we know it we're stuck in this cycle that we truly wish we could be free from no one wants to be controlled by a substance or a person but we don't know how to get free from it and it was like that for me and I want to encourage you tonight if you've tried everything in this world to find contentment and you haven't found it it's because you were made to be content by something that is not of this world the Bible says that God is the desire of every nation. Every person inside of you is a desire for God. Nothing else will ever meet that desire. It'll always leave you empty. It'll always leave you discontent. Tonight I give you the greatest privilege that you could have is saying, God, I've tried to do life by myself. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of being bound by sin. I'm tired of living condemned. I want to know my creator. I'm a sinner in needing of saving. Jesus died for you. The price of your sin is death. And Jesus paid the price for you. So tonight, how do you be saved? Through faith by saying, God, I choose to put my trust in you. You don't come when you're right. You come when you're wrong and he makes you right. The Bible says, come as you are. Well, I think so. At least I say it. Come as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. The scripture says that God will make you a new creation tonight. Every sin you've ever committed is on a whiteboard in heaven. But God says tonight, if you accept him by his blood, he will wash that whiteboard clean. What am I saying? Tomorrow morning you'll wake up free from sin, free from shame, free from condemnation, knowing that you are right with the Father. So in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to be bold with your eyes open. We want to celebrate with you. This is an amazing decision. We're going to welcome you into the family of God. Kind of like when someone comes home for summer break, everyone's excited to see them. That's how I feel. That I'm like, I can't wait to welcome you into the family. I can't wait for you to experience the freedom that I've experienced. There's nothing better than what you're about to experience. So if that's you on the count of three, you're just going to raise your hand with no shame, with no condemnation, with no fear. You're going to say, I'm done with my old life. I'm done living in shame. I'm done trying by myself. I'm done discontentment. I want freedom and a new start tonight. So on the count of three, if that's you, you're going to raise your hand up with no shame. We're going to welcome you into the family. One, two, three. Just put your hand up right now. If that's you, hand up nice and high. I see that hand. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.